What's the 2011 data security forecast? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking about 2011 today with Brian Lapidus, Chief Operating Officer, Fraud Solutions with Kroll. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Just to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role with Kroll, and your areas of expertise, please? Sure. You know, I, I lead Kroll's Fraud Solutions uh, practice. We deal with data breach response and identity theft, um, helping consumers deal with the complications around identity theft. We work with both businesses and individuals. So, Brian, Kroll has just released the 2011 data security forecast. What would you say are the major headlines of this study? I think I think they're twofold. I think the first one comes down to social networking. I, I believe social we believe social networking breaches will continue to make headlines, and I think this is for a couple of reasons. Number one, social networking is a really hot topic right now. You can't read the newspaper or turn on the news without stories around uh, Foursquare, Facebook. All of these organizations are, are you know are are very prominent right now. Um, second, I think most businesses haven't done a great job of defining protocol for their employees around what's acceptable or not acceptable to disclose concerning their jobs on social media sites. And, and finally, I think individuals continue to have a perception that even though they're posting things on social media and social networking sites, that that is somehow private. And the reality is, you know, they're, they're essentially placing a window on their world, allowing people to look right in and see everything that they're posting. So, Brian, as you look at the forecast and the results, what surprised you? I think the biggest surprise from my perspective had to do with a, 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 uh, a, recent, a recent case which decided that which sort of the, the way it was positioned was that the threat of future harm is sufficient um, in terms of a data breach. So if from a, from a lawsuit perspective, the threat of future harm um, was sufficient. It's a huge reversal from previous court cases where plaintiffs had to show actual harm resulting directly from a breach. Interesting. I also would say that an additional surprise was, you know, the the enforcement date of red flag rules finally did pass, finally came into being at the end of 2010, but not so much fanfare. It was sort of, um, it just sort of happened. When you look across public and private sector organization, do you see types of industries or organizations that are most vulnerable to data breaches? I mean, I, 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 think, I think data breaches and the thieves that, you know, in the, in when the intent is, you know, to actually breach an organization, I think those criminals are equal opportunity offenders. I think the organizations that probably are at the most risk are those that are transitioning to electronic record keeping. So, you know, healthcare, 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 um, education and probably even some u- in the utility space as well because there's that transition to electronic um, electronic uh, record keeping. But what, from what you said about social media, I would surmise that any organization that is involved with social media, which is pretty much everyone, has got a vulnerability they might not be paying enough attention to. Sure. I mean, organizations, you know, their biggest risk, right, is their, is their employee base and what those employees decide to share from a social media perspective. Well, you know, and I think the organization, you know, has a challenge of, you know, again, putting those policies in place as it relates to social media and then making sure that the employee base follows them and, and, and you know, 
making and being able to monitor that protocol to make sure that they are doing what they are supposed to do based on policy. And you know, if you look at it in the, in, in the concept of mobile phones, uh, you know, people have the ability to be on social media sites all day and not be on corporate hardware. And it just it, the, the challenge of social media and the mobile workforce really um, this whole issue is compounded as it relates to data privacy and data breach. Well, you make a great point. And that would be among the security gaps that organizations face. So my question to you is, where are the ser- security gaps that organizations can fill most easily? Sure. I think the first one that I would hit on is privacy training. And we tell people all the time that privacy training for employees is the cornerstone of any good data security policy. I, I think it's the latest Poneman study that 67% of surveyed organizations who experience a breach stated that they aim to prevent future breaches through training and awareness programs. In addition, about 23% of the breaches reported to Health and Human Services involved an unauthorized disclosure. So this concept of getting your employees to focus on understanding your organization's protocol and then taking that training and forcing it into their behavior and their natural norms organizationally is, is really a critical step that can be filled most easily. I think the second one, um, from my perspective, is involved data minimization. I often talk about forcing organizations to go on a data diet and really making sure that they're only keeping the data that they need to run their business. I think, you know, historically, you know, businesses have, um, you know, with, with data usually becomes power. And so we've amassed this data and it's become less and less expensive to store that data. But really, a business may not need it. And so really you know, t- t- taking the fitness advice and uh, trimming down and going on a data diet is really a good exercise for businesses because it helps reduce those security gaps. Brian, if I could ask you a follow-up question about the training. We hear that the, the training and education is important. What's the difference between effective training and ineffective training? You know, from my perspective, is the effective training has, you know, the behavioral practice, right? It's really, really about making sure, you know, anybody can read a document and check a box. You know, it takes, it, 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 it's putting things into practice. I'll tell you, we, we, we had a organization that we were working with and their, the training that they went through had a lot of, a lot of practice and a lot of opportunities to put the things that, that were in the training to use. And so what I saw that organization have is they had an entire employee base of risk managers, right? So they were able to, um, you know, one, one of the policies that the organization had was you had to lock, it was an open office space and everybody, you had to lock your computer before you left your office, right? You had to, you know, control all delete to lock your screen. And when people left their screens open, the office had printed up flags. So all the employees were flagging the desktops to make sure that you know if your neighbor didn't lock a screen, they were they were monitoring it themselves, and so this it became a part of their culture, which really had a positive effect on their own data security practices. Oh, that's a great example, Brian. If you could boil it down, how can organizations and individuals best protect themselves from vulnerabilities? Okay, you know, let's kind of break down into, into steps. I think the first one is run a risk assessment, find out where your weak spots are, and fix them. You know, know where your areas of vulnerability are. If you know you've got an issues with physical security in your office, handle it, right? But you, but, but make that risk assessment a part of your organizational rigor. 
right? Make it a part of what you do as a management team to make sure that you're, you're, you're cognizant and constantly aware of what those vulnerabilities are. And that, that leads into sort of my second point, which would be be diligent. If it can't, you know, employee training is really, really important. And I think, you know, I've probably beaten that over, um, you know, everyone who's listening has had a couple times. But, you know, making sure that that training translates into employee action is critical and a really, really um, key point in helping the organization protect itself. Um, you know, next, know the laws that apply to your organization and make sure you've got, you, you know, your own legal counsel and outside counsel on legal issues you've got questions about. Um, and, and also, make sure that you know what you're going to do when you have an event. Unfortunately for a lot of organizations, it's going to be about what happens when you have an event, not if you have an event. So if you know how you're going to proceed when the event happens, it, it makes it makes your organization handle it that much better. It reduces your overall risk, both from a security and a legal perspective, but also at the end of the day, you want to make sure that your reputation and your customers um, are handled correctly, and making sure that you have that program in place is, is critical. Well, that's great advice. Brian, as we've sat here for the last few minutes, we've talked about social media. We've talked about the need for education and training. If you were to look ahead a year, I'm going to ask you for your predictions here. What do you think we'll be talking about when we look ahead to the 2012 data security forecast? So I'm I'm far from a fortune teller. So these are really just sort of my opinions, I guess. And it's it's a little bit of going out on a limb, but I, I think I think you know I think the big thing that's out there right now is this federal breach notification um, you know law. What what that's going to mean and how I, I think I, I think. I think that will probably come into play in 2011, but I don't. I don't think we uh, know what that's going to mean for each state at this point. So I, th- I think it's something to be cognizant of in 2011, but I think we should probably talk next January and see what the implications are. Very good, Brian. Now, for people that would like to know more about the Kroll 2011 data security forecast, where can they go to find that? I think there are a couple ways they can find out more information. I think the first is to check out our website, which is www.crollfraudsolutions.com, or they could call us directly at toll-free 1-866-419-2052. Very good. Brian, I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. Thank you. We've been talking about data security. We've been talking with Brian Lapidus, Chief Operating Officer of Fraud Solutions at Kroll. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.